Welcome back to another episode of the Stocks and Blocks podcast, a stocks and blockchain podcast from Investify that turns you from a confused to confident investor. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, join us as we demystify stocks and cryptocurrencies one episode at a time. And before we get started, just a quick reminder that everything discussed today is for education purposes only and is general in nature. And make sure you check out the disclosure documents on our website at investify.com.au. Welcome back to another episode of Stocks to Blocks. Exciting to be back. No, Zach today. No, I don't, I don't know where he is today. Oh, he told me if uh, we're not talking about crypto, he's not interested. Yeah. <laughs> he's not interested in the crypto nerd. No, no. It'll just be us today flying the flag, but... We're going to be talking about inflation today, which is a it's a very dry subject. Yeah, um, but we're going to try our best to have a bit of fun, but also explain what it is, why it is to the level it is today, and and what's next. Yeah, exactly. Let's make it as fun as possible. All right, so let's just start from the basics. Let's assume that the listeners at home have got no idea what inflation is. They've heard about it a lot on the news every night or in the um in the paper or online when they're reading about it. But they've got no absolute idea of what it is. What's the best way to describe it? Well, it's essentially the rate of increase in prices in the economy of, say, goods and services. So I like to use a great example or analogy going back to a Big Mac meal. So, you know, back to 1950s, 1960s, a Big Mac would have cost us how much? Like maybe 50 cents? Wow. You, you love Maccas? <laughs> <laughs> I love Maccas and I was around in the 1950s. <laughs> uh, so essentially a Big Mac would have cost us 50 cents back then. Now we'll be looking at, you know, four or five dollars if we're lucky and, you know, Adam McFurry and it'll probably be seven dollars. So the fact that it's more expensive isn't just because they're getting greedy or anything like that. There's actually a reason behind this price of goods and services going up in in this case, the Big Mac. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the cost of the meat patty, the bun, the sauce, the Big Mac secret sauce, you know, everything in the economy goes up over time. And that's, you know, bringing in supply of goods and services from different areas and, you know, costing it all in. Therefore, the price is going up slowly each year and year. Absolutely. It's funny, you hear about inflation, you hear your parents talk and they might use the Big Mac example or they, um, I know, for instance, you know, my parents or my grandparents would say, um, oh, when I was young, you know, I'd go to the movies and it would be like $3 and <laughs> could see this. But then even in our lifetime, we've definitely been able to feel the effect of inflation. I know when I was a kid, in primary school, I would duck off to the milk bar after school and grab a can of Coke. And this is what I use as yeah, you love the Coke. <laughs> this is the Coke. This is how will I use Coca Cola? Is that when I bought a can of Coke, it was uh, probably fifty cents or a dollar or something dollar, like yeah. that. Yeah. We were trading it in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember the dollar. dollar. Gold coin? Is I don't remember. There was always one person at primary yeah. school, that entrepreneur who always used to sell the soft drinks. Yeah, yeah, and it's my yeah. It was me. Yeah, was like, yeah. yeah. always had an entrepreneur brain. No, but it used to cost me, yeah, 50 cents a dollar or something like that. Um, and I'd get one after school. And now if you want to buy a can of Coke, it's going to cost you probably $3 yeah. or something. Even under eats is $4.50. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it can. Funnily enough, I, I use this Coke example. But there is a place in South Melbourne that sells cans of Coke for $1.50. No, I'm not going to say the name of the place because it's special to me and I don't want too many people going there where they'll jack it up. I'll be going. It's a very, I'll tell you off air, yeah, very, very good place where you can still get cheap Coke, you fella. So Richie, talk about the fact that inflation is the rate increase in goods over time. But how is that actually measured and who measures it? Yeah, sure. So CPI, Consumer Price Index, it's essentially a basket of goods and services. So in that basket of goods and services, you might have healthcare, education, transportation, and that's what makes up the whole basket of goods and services, which is what measures the entire economy. And that essentially goes up. And each of these sections 
transportation has a certain weight to that basket. So these baskets, are they essentially, does that look at the average or the groups of goods and services that everyday households tend to purchase, you know, on a monthly basis? Yeah. Is that it? Exactly. Yeah. Energy, food, prices, fuel, everything you can see around you is measured in that basket. Think of it as a you know shopping trolley. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And then in that you have core and headline inflation. Oh, okay. So let's talk about this. Those interesting ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially core inflation is a measure of that, whatever's in that basket, but it excludes food and energy. And then headline inflation is everything, everything in that basket, including food and energy. And obviously the reason why you've got, they exclude food and energy is because they're the most volatile. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You you don't want to skew the results. Yep. So you try section it off. So in, in the media, do we tend to, when the media reports about inflation numbers or the CPI index going up and down, is that, do they tend to look at the core inflation because it gives a more realistic view as to where inflation's at? Because yeah. That's a way to, yes. to skew. But they report both. In the media, when you see that those big numbers getting reported on a monthly, quarterly basis, it's usually the headline inflation. Gotcha. So there's a Harvard economist, Rich, called David Moss, and he says inflation is affected by output money and expectations. And if we look at output first, that's in regards to how much an economy produces. So obviously, and we'll speak to this in great detail in a minute, but how much an economy produces in, in the last few years, I, I think it's fair to say that that's been affected severely off the back of both COVID and the Russian and Ukraine war. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in COVID, there was obviously the um, supply chain issues. And I think we all saw the, the effect of the toilet paper yeah. or the lack thereof. Not enough. Not enough. Price is going up as well off the back of that. Pepsi Max has gone from $2 to $3. Coke's still cheap. Coke's still cheap. And then obviously with the Russian Ukraine war, we saw a big rise in the energy and food prices, in particular crude oil and natural gas. And then we go to money. So how much currency is currently in circulation. We know that the government's obviously printed a lot of money to stimulate the economy. Yep. And obviously when more money means to more demand, more money, more problems, as Trapper said that. Trapper said more money, more problems. Probably every rapper too. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. So we look at number two and that's in regards to how much money is in circulation. And obviously the government's stimulus printing all of this money. Money prints it goes brr. Money prints it And then obviously, yeah, with, with, with more demand, or sorry, with more money in the economy means there's more demand. And then obviously businesses couldn't keep up with all the demand there and then they struggled. And then lastly, you've got expectations. So what people will think will happen next and we've got, you know, wages spiraling out of control. And then suddenly if people with wage increases to match up with inflation and then businesses need to increase their prices then to pay people the extra increase in wages that they want. So there's kind of these three buckets that are, and I think it's really sound what he's talking about. And I think what I want to do next is discuss these three buckets in regards to what we've seen in the last few years and how it's gotten us to this really high level of inflation that we're at today. Yeah, definitely. I'd like to discuss mainly the money, number two. Just the fact that so much money has been printed in the last sort of year or two, which is called quantitative easing. This is when they pretty much turn on the printer and what you saw more than a few years ago but Zimbabwe, where they printed a lot of money. They were trying to stop inflation, but when they started to print more money, more money was in circulation. Therefore, they actually ran out of paper to print enough money. And you're walking around with a suitcase to buy a loaf of bread. You're sort of spiraling down and the currency, your currency is being devalued. Essentially, you have to, you're getting into the top of the pyramid and you, you, your currency just gets so devalued that it's worth nothing to anyone. This is what's currently is happening with the American dollar. 
they're continuously printing and printing. Over, only two months ago, they started. They turned the printers back on because they thought they reached the the apex of 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 this whole problem that we're in at the moment. And then they turned it back on, and now you know inflation's gone up a bit again. So we're having a fight between what the right balance is between interest rates, inflation, unemployment. We're all ju- it's a juggling act at the moment. So that example that you said about Zimbabwe, that's obviously hyperinflation, and that's when it gets out of control. And I think I, I saw some footage not long ago of, um, I think it was in Zimbabwe when the hyperinflation was happening of these kids or even people, mm. they were making, because their money became pretty much worthless, people had all this money and they were making little um, figurines and little out of their money toys and stuff out of the money because it was just redundant. Yeah, exactly. There was no point actually keeping that money in their wallet and they may as well have made stuff out of it just for fun. Like It's just crazy to think that there's a country out there that would actually get to that level. And obviously the US and Australia who, who follows a lot of what's happening in the US, I don't think we'll, we're at that we're definitely not at that stage. I don't think we'll ever get there because I think personally, I, you might may differ to me, yeah. I think that we will, we're putting a lot more stringent things in place to bring down inflation, like the rise of interest rates, which they're doing quite aggressively. It's fascinating to see that countries are doing that. Yeah, exactly. Just, I guess it, it all comes down to the leaders of our economy, you know, the, the people that are in charge. Right now, you know, it's a critical time for America. There's a really good episode with Ray Dalio about the changing world order. Every hundred or so, so years, there's a change in power. Currently, the powers are America. But as you can see, these BRICS nations, you know, your Indias, your Russias, they're all grouping together to create their own currency, trying to dethrone the American dollar at the moment. And what America's doing is they continue to print their dollar, devaluing it. So they got to have a fine balance by increasing interest rates, not printing as much money as they are, and trying to battle with unemployment as well. You've touched on interest rates. I, I just want to make it clear for those listening, people might be thinking, well, hang on, what's interest rates got to do with inflation and how does that all work? So when we're in a position where inflation gets higher, the main way that we're seeing that the government or the Fed, I should say, the, the Fed, the Federal Reserve, the main way that they combat inflation is through rising interest rates. Which what they hope to do is, obviously, when inflation is high, it means a lot of people are spending money. They have to buy goods and services at a um, premium as the prices are going up. So what the Fed need to do is they need to pull back spending by raising interest rates, which means it's more expensive to, to borrow, uh, more expensive to invest. You've got less money for you. Your disposable income tightens up, and that's how they try to, to counteract what's their main strategy to counteract uh, inflation. Yeah. And uh, and on top of that, it's it's demand as well. They're trying to destroy people's demands, wants, needs. You can't go out to Chaston Shopping Center and spend $1,000 on Gucci when the economy is where it is right now. So people do need to control their spendings in order for us to get past this stage. The next sort of next few years ahead of us is, is a bit gloomy. If we don't pull down on inflation, the, the target that they're all aiming for is 2 to 3%. We're far off. America is at 49 at the moment. It has reduced slightly. However, Australia is at that 7% range and they're doing pretty much everything they can to reduce that number. My read on that is, uh, I'd love to hear what you think is, because Australia is still lagging behind. Did we leave it too late by raising, in regards to, did we leave it too late in regards to how long it took us to raise interest rates? 
I know that America, I think it's 10 consecutive months now that interest rates, sorry, that inflation has come down. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I believe it is 10 consecutive 10 months. 10 or 11, yeah. Yeah. I know it's still high. And like you said, the target rate is 2 to 3%, which is considered quite healthy. Economy growth. Yeah, economy yeah. growth. Because you, you definitely don't want zero inflation, no negative inflation. That shows that the economy is yeah. stagnant. Disinflation. Yeah, exactly. Did Australia, because we're still quite high at that 7% mark, did we leave it all too late in raising interest rates to combat inflation? And are we kind of, are we, do you think that we're going to feel the effect more than potentially what Americans are? I think because Australia is known as the place to be. You know, everyone wants to come here. Immigration's high. The numbers with international students are coming over here to study. And all this drives demand for our economic growth. So I guess that's why our numbers are so high. We probably left it slightly too late. I don't think we did. We're in that stage of pausing interest rates because we have we have done the, you know, 10 consecutive runs with America as well. We follow America. That's what we do. Mm. Where everyone pretty much follows America. Once they once their currency becomes not the dominant one in the world, then things will change. But for now, we follow America and we just need to be careful with how we're increasing interest rates. When are we pausing them? Because there's a lagging effect. It's not like, let's raise them right now and we'll see the return in a month. No, there's probably a three to six month delay on these things. That's why the last round we had when the RBA came out, they paused rates just to see the effect it had on the economy. But then again, we increased rates and the next uh, meeting that we have will potentially in a pause. Yeah, I believe that term is called, is it sticky inflation? Or they say when inflation is sticky, is that when the Fed makes some sort of news or that they pull back on inflation or interest rates go up or whatever, but you don't actually see the effect for quite some time to roll out? Is that when they refer to inflation being sticky? Is that what they're... Yeah, the same shit. Yeah, essentially. So just making sure that we're not pumping it with interest rates, you know, 20 times, 30 times. We don't want to come back to 17% interest rates that we had, you know, 20 years ago, but we need to see the, the lagging effect from our actions today. Yeah. And I think the Fed has come out when he, when he raised the interest rates over it. Sorry, I'm, when I'm saying the Fed, I'm referring to Jay Powell here. He came out and said that he believes this will be a bit of a pause on interest rates in a while because he wants to see the effect that both the Silicon Valley or the banking crisis on a whole level, mm-hmm. what's the effect that has on the economy, as well as just wait and see of the last 10 rates, interest rate hikes, I want to see what effect that has on yeah, the economy. exactly. So we went through a period where interest rates were at, you know, 0.25. Everyone over leveraged, everyone borrowed to their max, and now we've hit them with 10, 11 rate hikes. Can you imagine like, you know, people even on your houses, for instance, even your, you know, your home loans. You're paying an extra couple thousand dollars a month. Mm. That hasn't been accounted for. Australia, before all of this difficulty that we're in, said that we're not going to raise interest rates like we have, Mm. and then they go ahead and do it. So they've pretty much shocked the system. Mm. The idea here is they're killing demand, but it's it's slowly working, but we still need to see the outcome over the next six months. Mm. So let's now move on to these negative effects of inflation. I know for me, and I'm feeling the effects of inflation now when I go to the groceries. So when I go to the supermarket to do my grocery shopping, it's something that in previous years, I didn't really give it much thought. Maybe other people have, but I hadn't. And then especially in the last six to 12 months, like I really start to think, hang on, like this is going up pretty expensive. So what, so what are these negative effects of inflation that we, we get? Yeah, sure. So can you imagine we have 7% ongoing inflation every year? That means that 
if you're not if your piggy bank is not making seventy seven percent every year, that means the money's eating itself. So what your savings are producing, you know, if you're in an interest high savings account at four or five percent, you're still not at the level of inflation. So your ten thousand dollars in your savings account is actually working backwards. So you're losing money every year that inflation is higher than what you're making. It's so funny. You hear so many people at the moment that go, oh, like how good is it? The, uh, the interest rate in the bank account is currently 4 and 5% and they're so happy about it. Yeah. And like, yes, that's higher than it has been in previous years, but inflation is higher as well. Exactly. Not really. Doing the can of Coke is getting further and yeah. further away. <laughs> so it's, it's even, you know, bring a real world example as in like purchasing power of a house. House prices are going up and up and up. There's demand. There's not enough supply, especially in Australia. It's just getting further and further away. The goalpost keeps moving and moving. But guess what? Your salary is not. <laughs> They're not increasing your salary. That's why maybe you listen to your parents and they go, back in my day, you know, <laughs> I could buy a house. Every parent out there. <laughs> back in my day, you know, I used to, I could buy a house for $100,000. My salary was $20,000, $10,000. But see that, that gap? Now it's $100,000 salary, but the house is a million dollars. It's a huge difference. And that's what's happening. That's what, So if inflation, if the big boys in the economy world don't stop inflation and they keep it at 7%, your consumer, your levels drop. You can't afford anything. You become poorer as a nation. That's the dangers of having inflation at that very high level. And then again, distribution of wealth. So- the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. And exactly. So we need to stop inflation. It can't constantly sit there. You can sit at 2 to 3%. That's good for economic growth, but not at 7%. That's why they're doing everything in their power to reduce. So we've spoken about, before we close this out, because I know we're pretty much out of time, we've spoken about on a macro level that the one way to combat inflation is to obviously raise interest rates. And I think explain that enough. We don't need to go back into that. But as individuals, obviously we can't, combat inflation ourselves but we can kind of but what strategies tactics what anything we can do to outweigh the rate of inflation i guess as a first you must have your money in must not financial advice but you, you should have your money in an in interest earning savings account right so whether it's a term deposit they need to be paying four and a half percent or if people have houses in offset accounts that's at least getting you four to five four to five percent mm-hmm you're still missing out on that 2%. Hopefully, inflation does come down over the next few months. But essentially, you need to be diversified across different assets, whether it's property, stocks, crypto. And you need to be making more than 7% to combat what is happening right now. So I guess be smart, be active, and don't just sit on the sidelines and hope for the best. Look at products or assets that are giving you or providing you more than 7% return year in year absolutely and you could even just look at if, you, if you're not sure what stocks you want to actively invest in you could easily just look at an index fund or an etf that just tracks the the major indices and in australia the average or the index afx 200 returns about eight percent per year so that's already just above inflation and then over in the states it's a bit more it's a bit higher at around 11 or 12 percent obviously we don't know what's going to happen in the next 12 to 22 yeah. months unless it could be a negative year for the market so it's not guaranteed money but over time that's what the markets do return so that's just another easy way that people can invest their money pretty passive or pretty passively to, exactly to outweigh the rate of inflation yeah so just understand what your risk appetite is 
and how long you're allocating money to certain assets, whether it's property or probably looking at a long-term outlook there. You know, property on average in Australia over the past 20 or so years has returned an 8%. Stocks, probably around the same. They're all sort of the same level. It's just a matter of what you're willing to put your money towards and knowing how long you're holding your investment in that asset class. It's a great advice there, Rich. What about, just last one to close it out, do you think it's okay to ask for a pay rise because of inflation? I think if you go to your boss and say inflation is at 7% and I want a pay rise, they'll tell me to you know, get started. <laughs> but if you go into that meeting and, and I, I recommend everyone does have a look at their, what they're making and maybe do a competitive analysis in the market and see what else is out there and what everyone else is getting paid or the median salary, you can definitely approach your boss strategically and ask for a pay rise due to these certain factors. Yeah, mate, and maybe try and show some uh, KPIs or some things that you've achieved through the year rather than just saying inflation's up X amount. Give me more money. That won't look good. No, it won't look good. Yeah, try and show some uh, show some results that you've had in the last twelve months for that. All right, I think we'll leave it there, Rich. Done. That was. Um, I hope that wasn't too dry. No, we didn't come up with any jokes on the line. No. Thanks, Rich. Uh, always a pleasure, never a chore. Thank we'll you. See you next time. Thanks.